Welcome to Think Big with Anna Consman. Our guest today is Gavin. So Gavin, if you want to introduce yourself and tell us what you do and where you live. Hi there. Yeah, my name's um, Gavin McHugh. I live in Whitehaven, which is a really remote part of England um, in the UK. And I am, I own a few e-commerce businesses, but I'm a fractional CTO for a lot of e-commerce businesses as well. A little bit more enterprise than the businesses I own, but I kind of, I've been a developer for 20 plus years. I've worked with probably hundreds of e-commerce brands within the UK, mainly, um, across a number of, you know, across a number of different things. I do consultancy, kind of, that's me. So how did you get into the e-commerce space? Well, when I, when I was in school, there was no internet. I didn't have the internet in school. I was too young. And I went into college when I was 17, I think I was 16, 17. It was the first time I kind of touched the internet. And there was no web courses or anything. There was just IT courses. You know, it was like, this is how you use Word and this is how you use them type of things. And then and then the internet was kind of being born at them points. HTML was kind of Billy Basic and CSS wasn't in its foundational years. And this is like 1998, 1999, like really early on. And then, and then by the time I ended up going to university, college stateside um i i can't there was a couple of courses that were kind of a little bit related to the web so i studied multimedia because there was no multimedia back then was kind of like it's kind of like um do you want to do sound editing video editing um web included you kind of they couldn't do like a like now you can do course you could probably do a course just in like cr or optimization now like literally like you probably do a degree in that right or, or like just marketplaces whereas back then it was like they treated the web as like as a sub as a sub thing of something bigger than than that like you know do you want to get into audio video animation like as a collective so it was kind of like a crazy time and then i i, I kind of had a bit of a weird I, because i live in a quite a remote part of england like not near a city i live three hours from a city like drive uh, and when i finished my degree everyone was moving to london and manchester and newcastle and leeds they were moving to like major cities where there was web work and i came back home like like to the lakes i live by like by lakes and the sea and i like i was more like kind of interested in the outdoors but like i wanted to pursue a, a, an interest in the web but there's no work like it doesn't exist like the, like even the big companies didn't have websites back then so i kind of like had to hustle like big time early on to get like any level of work and take like drastic level pay cuts compared to my you know my counterparts um and then kind of hung on in there until i got good at what i did and then when i got good at it then it didn't matter where i lived i suppose you know what i mean so Kind of, I, I, my story is a little bit odd because a lot of people that you'll speak to from anywhere in the UK, you, they'll live in one of these major cities. They'll work for one of the big guys and, you know, they'll work for a big agency or a big brand or, the, you know, it took me years to get to that point. Um, I, sorry for my accent. I'm particularly Northern English, a <laughs> little bit Scottish. So I'm kind of like between Newcastle, Liverpool and Scotland. You hear a little bit like the Beatles kicking in, but you'll hear a bit of Geordie kicking in. And then a little bit of Scottish kicking in at the same time. So apologies to anyone in America. No. That's kind of like what No, you... yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess what what are you saying? No, no yeah, I was just gonna ask so because you were talking about hustling, right? To get work. Like what did Ooh. that what did that look like for you in those days? Well well back then it was just a case of can does anybody need anything built online that I can help with? Pretty much like and I don't know what I'm doing. I know this little piece of HTML, this little piece of CSS. I support back then it wasn't like front end and back end, we call it. Like that was that came in 10 years later, front end and back end. Back then it was just like there was just there was web developers and there was web designers. 
that's what we titled ourselves as because he will understand this massively. He's put, you know, I know he's a, he's a tech guy. So it was like, there was web developers and web designers and that was basically front end and back end guys. But, but even pre that it was just, there was web guys, right? Like pre that there was just somebody that can do something on the internet and potentially work out how to connect data to that database or change what that looks like on the front end. The tech hadn't caught up with what we were doing as devs. It was very, very kind of, it was odd times, you know, it, I can't even, re- it's almost like hard to remember what it was like back then. There was a big, there was a big, um, the first break I got was, um, I suppose, there was a big host, host and brands were huge back then, remember? Like the host and companies were like the leaders in tech. It's like, what well, because you've got a few servers and you've allowed developers to do something. So it was kind of like, there was no agencies really. And there was a big agency called Easy Space. You know, like you might have seen them like the little elephant. They might exist in America and they might have at some point many moons ago. But they did some big brands and they were supposed they were like the GoDaddy 20 years ago. And and they had like a bit of a web division where they'd, you know, they'd sell a builder, like a two-page website. And you'd have to like, you know, there was no CMS. You couldn't install WordPress or Joomla or like, there was none of that rubbish. It was like, he's a he's he's a server. FTP, it'll knock something up in Dreamweaver, put it together and put that on. And you kind of, from that position, you kind of learn where you lied in, in the stature of things. And you kind of grind and it became, kind of became, I, nobody knew what they were doing though. Like absolute, not even the guy in charge of the company, right? So the host and company guy didn't know what he needed to do. There was no cash and services. There was nothing from server development side. Like it, it just hadn't been thought out. It was just happening whilst everyone was working out what that looked like. But they were selling it. <laughs> And, as, and I suppose as the big thing that happened is everyone's internet speeds got quicker and the reliance on them internet speed got quicker. And then that kind of transcended into into big corporations jumping on board. And then 10 years later, CMS has existed, Joomla, WordPress, Shopify a little bit later. And then everybody could then get on board as opposed to like it being the big corporations. And then the army then exists and we are where we are now because of that. And that's a great space. So, yeah, so I've worked for like, um, I, I learned from the ground up. I learned how to, you know, I, I, like you have to do it first. You can't, the, the difficulty is, um, and Cosim will agree with this. I've, I've looked, I, I know a little bit about what you both do. So I'm not, um, thing is, is that, is that there's a lot of people who, who, who like have like some real high level kind of, they can talk incredibly high level, like, but they couldn't do anything. Like they can talk about it all they want, but like they don't really know what's happened. Do you know what I mean? They don't actually know how Shopify CDM works. Like they don't have a clue. They don't even want to know. And it, I suppose it doesn't matter, but it kind of does when you're dealing with big companies now. Do you know what I mean? It kind of does, you know, fastly goes down, you're a little bit screwed. Cloudflare goes down, you're a little bit screwed. So there's kind of elements of like the ground up guys that have done it for 20 years, they know the shizzle. The, the new kids get an ability to do stuff without being techie. Yeah, I get that. But there's only so far you can take that before you have to hand over the rate. You know, there's only there's only so far that can happen. So yeah, that's kind of my story. Um, and I still live in that place that I did it on. And then when I suppose I've run a few businesses and I've worked for big clients. And when you're pitching f- for clients within the UK, the first question is how close you are to London. And I'm seven hours from London. There's no further place in England that's further away. Like I'm an hour and 10 minutes drive to a motorway, i.e. a freeway. An hour and 10 <laughs> minutes I have to drive before I get to a freeway, right? That's how far. So, and, and in America, that might not, that might be you like not unusual, but like in England, you can't drive. There's no way in England that it takes an hour and 10 minutes to get to a freeway, right? And the problem I faced for a lot of years was, is, is do I move to London? Do I move to Manchester? The opportunities were massive, but then the cost of living's more, there's a whole kind of life, you know, 
lifestyle switch. And I was like, I'm going to ride this out. And I did. I built up I've ran my own businesses, my own econ companies, kind of managing through. And then kind of probably about two years before COVID hit, for whatever reason, companies in London and Manchester wanted the best talent as opposed to, like, you guys can get UK companies now. Like, five years ago, you wouldn't have had a chance, right? Not a chance. No. American guys on the phone telling us they can change the world. They can get you to a million pound a month. I might around more than what you're doing. How are you going to do that? It, it doesn't matter that you guys are in, are you guys in Dallas or somewhere like that? I think I, I don't know. Where no, I'm, in Dallas, Dallas, I'm in Dallas. Yeah. yeah. I'm in Dallas and Cosmos in Pakistan. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's, and now we're kind of, a, so yeah, that's kind of what I did there. And I know initially Dan, that you contacted me about my, one of my brands called Frederick St. James, which I know is going to be probably the next question on how we got there. We'll kind of go back. I talk a lot. I think a lot. I'm on the spectrum. So I'm kind of a little bit, my mind kind of goes a little bit as it needs to. Um, no, yeah. I think Cosm had a question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, sorry, Cosm. Sorry. Go ahead. You Go ahead. I'm, I'm last. No, 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 Cosm, honestly, definitely. You hit me. <laughs> okay. In fact, I, I was going a, a, a bit off. In fact, there was another question in my mind, uh, like why you are living over there and you are already telling this. So, <laughs> so on, oh yeah, yeah, that... as well. Where, where I where I live, Cosim, and this is a good kind of question, actually. I think is where <laughs> I live is like house prices are like a fifth of the price of what they are in London, right? Like, there's no crime. Schools are great. Oh. I live by the sea. I live. I've got mountains three minutes away. I've got it. Like, it's kind of one of those like Canadian type places to live. I suppose you know it's a Lake District where I live. But I live. So it, it, it's kind of even though the opportunities for work can be better. Like they can be better for you. Like you guys pick up and go to New York. You'll three extra salary in two weeks. You know you will. But you're not going to do it. Because Dallas, you know, you're just not. So it's the same kind of argument in in some ways of going, well, this is what I get in terms of quality of life and lifestyle versus I'm going to vouch on the fact that I'm good at what I do. And eventually the people will eventually click on to what that is. Right. And that and that bet 15 years ago, 20 years ago paid off because now it happens. Do you know what I mean? Now it's not an issue. You know what I mean? Like now we can have these Zoom calls and I can speak to CEOs of companies doing 200 million pounds, like no problem. And they don't mind that I live because what really matters is, is that they can get into my head. We can talk about how we can fix some of their issues, much like you guys do, and, and work through those solutions. A relevance of where, you know, like, why does it matter? Like it, it is, a, it, it's completely pointless. Like it, like it, I understand you can get more done in an office if you're around people, if you're the actual CTO full time and you're there and you, you're getting them pumped and you're motivating them. I get that. But if you're working to pick your brains fractionally for some level of degree of benefit to them, I could live on the moon. Why does it matter? By the way, in terms of your brands, what are you responsible for? Oh, well, man, I, yeah, I mean, the brands, responsibility is a tough one. Like you get responsibility when you work for clients. When, you, when you're working for your own brands, you just kind of, you don't, you don't, you know, it's all responsibility. You just kind of get on with whatever needs done, as we all know. But there's kind of a level of like, what can I pick up as opposed to responsibility? So um, what can I help with? What can I move forward? And, the, and, and I think when you kind of own your own brands and you work for other brands, if you've had brands or you've done things within brands, I think that the greatest thing I ever learned was to learn. Like it's the greatest skill I ever learned at university. It's like if somebody gives you a piece of software and you need to know how to do it, you've got to be able to do that in the top 20% of people within a particular period of time quickly. If it's a new programming language, if it's how Facebook ads work now as opposed to what they work like five years ago, like just pick it up and learn it quickly. So I think the responsibilities within, you know, I, I you know, 
well, I built the website, I set the ads up, I find the products, I source them over, get them all. Like the whole, like whatever, like it's matterless. Like, it, like what does this, like, so, so like if we talk about like Frederick said, James, and we'll, which will link nicely into what you've just said. Um, I, I was working as a CTO for a brand that lives that's three hours away from me, like a, a major sports retailer. So what they do is, is they sell Adidas shoes, ASIC shoes, New Balance shoes for runwear and sportswear. They sell bikes. They sell, they're a, whole, they're, they're a big player. And in about 2020, 2019, 2020, these guys were doing like 15 million pounds only in the UK market online. And so they buy in and they store it in their warehouse and they ship these products. And the website was terrible. It was on Magento and I was a Magento dev for nine years. Like I lived in that world. I pretty much despise it these days, but, but, but I was a dev in that land for a long time. And I, I got asked to be the CTO of this brand. And you don't get asked when you live where I live to be a CTO of a, of a big brand when you live so far away. And it was kind of at that remote time. So I kind of took the role. I suppose the things that kind of, um, that, that led into was, you know, we changed everything of the ecosystem. We replatformed them, changed WMS, changed the RP looked at every individual department and how they were working and changed literally like every aspect of that company. So there was full on efficiencies across what they did. I was the only staff member to change within the, within that whole department in that three years. And within that two years, four months, that brand was doing 45 million pounds with no extra traffic, right? Nothing. Right. So, so it went from 15 million to 45 million in a little over two years. Right. And it was just because there was so many inefficiencies in a brand, like so many like from how they listed products to where they sourced them to the buyers and even knowing what they bought and customer service know what to respond to. And that, that brand did amazing. But getting onto Frederick St. James, the, the, the head of e-commerce at the time that was working within that brand and I was the CTO, we were like, we can do this for so many other companies. Like we don't need to do it. Like this is easy. Like this is, like, this is just so like, this isn't complicated to us. And we, we made a bet with each other before we left our jobs as well that we could start a we were talking about, can you start a brand now, today? Like this is June last year, by the way, um, with no money. And by no money, I don't mean like pe you know, people say no money and they've got like 50 grand in the bank. It's like, that's no, not no money. It's like, I mean, physically no money, like nothing. Can we do it? So at the time, I, I, I got married in Italy. I got engaged in Italy. I go to Italy quite a lot with my family. Um, I was looking for an Italian leather duffel bag and, and everyone in England was selling these bags for like 600 pounds. So $700, that's it. And I was like, they're like 150 euros, but like less than $150 in, in Italy and get a flight for 80 quid and get one and come back. <laughs> so we were looking for niches. And at this time I just happened to be looking for this duffel bag and I reached out to a few factories out there. Five of them sent me like three bags each as samples for nothing. Cause I said, I was starting a brand. So then from that position, I was like, these bags are amazing. My wife has some designer bags that were way worse quality than these bags. These, so at this point, we started doing this for three or four factories, some in Turkey, some in India. And we got, we ended up with about a hundred bags for free, like literally for nothing. Some of them, so we started a brand. So Frederick said, James, the name, my son's called Fred. His full title's Frederick, but he's called Fred. And his middle name is James. And he goes to St. James's school and Fred, Frederick, Frederick James was taken on the dot com and Frederick St. James was not. And it sounded quite affluent, I said. So I thought, that's a great name for a brand. We'll have that one. So we so Frederick St. James was bought, born. I knew that the price point for these items in this country were particularly high. 
we were already running an ad spend for one of the brands we were looking after outside of work. These guys were doing a million pounds a month on ads and we were looking after all their Google ad spend anyway. So like we, we'd done this for so many brands previously. So we were like, we can wear proper CMO hats all the time. Like th there are a 10, 15% contingency that can run ads on Google better than what me and Max could, but like we can run them as well as pretty much most agencies. So we were like, right, let's go. Not being fired. I've just done this a lot. Um, so, um, so you get your tech head off and you get your marking hat on. And anyway, so we, so we, so we had these bags. I think we put 20 pounds, just about $25 on a credit card, um, to loan Shopify and 25 pounds on ads. And then we just flipped everything like over and over and over and over and over for last June. And when we got to December, like from June last year to December, I think in December we did about a hundred thousand pounds of revenue. Like we were work, like it, we were still, we know we, 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 I don't, this is, it's a side gig of a side gig list. Do you know what I mean? It's not even a real, and Frederick St. James kind of, yeah, it's done a, we started last year and it probably did 400,000 pounds of revenue, but it, but it's, it's margins strong. It's probably got 30% margin in that. It probably made about 95,000 pounds in, in like, from, like from actually nothing though, like, and a little bit of time, like no focus. So I think kind of the things we were delivering upon across with the bigger brands and you guys will know this, like when you see behind the curtain of brands doing 50 million pounds, everyone assumes that a 50 million pound brand is doing everything right. And honestly, 50 million pound brands are doing a million things more wrong than the 2 million pound brand. Like, like the only thing that matters in e-com, like literally, like the only, there's only two things that matter. How much traffic you get and how much of that you convert. That's it. That not as long as you get your price and your product right and you don't be an idiot and try to bottom out market but they're the only two metrics that matter and the biggest difference between the smaller brands and the bigger brands is that the smaller brands can't afford as much traffic as the bigger brands that's it it's all it is they can afford less eyes all it is so most of the time when you're dealing with a brand that's doing let's say three million pounds a year five million pounds a year they just don't have enough eyes that's the like it's marketing as opposed to anything else tech stack's probably half decent they're probably better than a lot of big brands. So from there, I now fractionally see to your, I don't I talk a lot guys and I probably kind of, I do. No, no, I, no, no, I think it's good. Yeah. I guess like what I would ask. So in terms of Frederick St. James, right. In terms of, you know, what would you say right now is priority number one for, I mean, you mentioned a hundred K in a month. Um, so I guess like mm. what is your number one priority, I guess, like for the next like three to six months. Um, I think, to be honest, what I found is the leather market is quite seasonal, more so than I would assume. I, I assumed that the leather market wasn't very seasonal before I went into it. I was like, yeah, everyone buys leather bags like any time of the year. And they don't. Like Q4 is where it lives, really. Um, you know what I mean? Like it, it is. Like it's a big bump in that time. So the, the focus on that brand, um, we, I don't have a lot of time to put into it, to be honest, is the is a real answer. Max, who's my business partner within that brand, his wife has been able to leave work and, and just do that full time. So we, this brand works like this. You order a, an Italian leather bag off that website. We have a contract with a, with a factory in Italy that makes really good bags. They then ship them to Max's house in England, and then we ship them out and we say 10 day delivery. So we could increase conversions 20 fold and say we could get custom made bags. You could order bulk buying of those bags. Like there's a million things we could do with that brand, like a million. If we raised probably 300K, 500K, could easily be a 10, 15 million pound brand a year, like, like without a lot of work. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I 
the, the point has been proven, I suppose, to be part of that brand. I imagine we'll probably sell it in probably the next six to eight months. So, so do you think, just I'm sorry to cut you, but I was just curious, like, so do you think that an e-com brand can scale in 2023 without spending ad dollars, just from your experience? Oh, no, 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 no way. No, no, you need, <laughs> there's absolutely no chance. Like, forget that. You need to be spending 30 to 40% on your, on your product. You need to be spending 30, 40% on, to sell that product. And you need to be keeping 20, 30, 40% of that product. Like end of story. Like you can't scale otherwise. Like you, you, the, unless you find, unless you find a product that no one else has got hold of, or unless you've got a huge following already, like, 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 you know, the influencer based things kind of like it's big, but it's a no way. Like reality is how to scale a brand. It's like you get more eyes and you convert more of those eyes. Like that's it. Where have you seen, where have you, you're talking about Google, but I guess like in 2023, where have you seen like the most conversions like oh, TikTok, well, Instagram? Well, well, yeah, everyone knows TikTok's the one right now. Like everyone, like, like you know, come on. Like, and, and then we'll get onto AI conversations, you know what I mean? Like, you know, whatever. But yeah, TikTok's kind of like the audience age range has drastically changed, like hugely. Like within Frederick St. James though, like, like this is no, like this is honestly true. We literally just run PLA ads on Google only, like that's it, like nothing else. So like, that's why with a brand like that, it's almost worthwhile somebody getting it and going like the things we could like, cause we've now got exclusive contract with this, to sell these particular bags within certain regions worldwide and they can't, only they can sell them as well. So we're actually riding off the back of a brand. I spoke to a few factories about getting custom bags made, what that would look like in terms of finances. And then I was speaking to like, Paul Richardson, who's like, he was one of the directors of Gymshark. He now owns Birmingham City Football Club. Yeah. And we were having a natter on link on, 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 and he was like, we potentially could raise a few quid to get this done. And I was like, yeah, but the amount of work, like I can do it. Like I definitely can, but I'm kind of in somewhere else. But like, I, I think Frederick St. James was, was a point proven exercise to two guys who live in e-com, live in tech, that, that cannot be done today. It's a, the, the thing that's great is the product, like the absolute key thing is in that type of model though, is you have, the product has to be great. Like it has to be like, don't move rubbish, whatever it is. If you sell rubbish, you're screwed, you know, like people that say like, find the winning product, like, 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 like what, like, like that's well, fluff. It's right. Right. But it, so having a good product, so I'm just curious, like, so, you know, you've been in this space for a long time, but do you think that. So what about people, or I don't know if you guys do this at all, but like selling certain products also on eBay, Amazon, have you? Oh, no, thought... oh, 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 Dan, I know that you were a massive eBay guy. I know you're expert, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, like, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm involved, dude. Like eBay is a little bit flat at the moment. Amazon's kind of, if you're building a brand, like, a, like, if, you, like if you want to flip a product, like, and you don't know anything about Google ads and you can find something cheap and you're a bit of a hustler and you can go like, Brilliant. Like go and find a product and flip it on them channels like all day long and then look out for the new ones, like bang it on Etsy, do it that way. Like there's a, there's a whole, like for the non-tech eBay guys, but I, I mean, in terms of like my day-to-day -day work as like fractional CDO within brands, right? So I'm, I get a phone call from a guy who's got a brand and he's there's 70 million pounds and they're like, this is what we're doing. So I kind of live within the, the brand world. Right. But, but in terms of like, you know, the 19 year old kid that wants to like buy a product and flip it. Like, hey, if you can do it and get away with it and you don't have any cost. The, the big issue we have compared to the guys who were doing 60 million, 100 million, 90 million. And this is true, Dan Quasim, this is like implicitly true is we, us three all pay taxi, right? Remember that, right? We all pay taxi. So the guy is doing 100 million. 
trust me, his ad account, that the money that's in his ad account that he can spend on ads isn't being taxed, okay? His ad account is not being taxed. So before that's even in, he's 50% up on you, right? So when, so when somebody gets an exit, and I won't name names, but let somebody gets an exit, 80 million quid, it gets put somewhere nice and friendly, right? Then from that friendly scenario about being put, then he starts another brand, but that money that's there lives in a nice, friendly, non-taxable thing. So he's got twice as much money to spend on ads as you have, or that brand that thinks he can bootstrap it. And then, right, and, and then he's buying his products a lot from that product, and then he's sourced them through. So the, the, there's a lot of things in e-com, specifically in the UK market, that you set up not to win. Like a lot, like a like, it's very hard to win. Like it's because you've kind of got to think like they do. Right. And they think this. They they principally. If you get twenty million pounds to start a brand tomorrow, you make sure that that twenty million pounds isn't taxed. You make sure it lives somewhere very nice. Yeah, and when it yeah. isn't nice, you, you need to give yourself leverage. And then the ad spend lives in that nice tax base. So therefore, you can spend twice the amount of money on ads as they can. Your cost per acquisition is less. And, and again, everybody thinks too small. Like every like everybody thinks too like anyone. Like I don't care if you sell anything. Like however small. Like you're thinking way too small. Like immediately you go and I want to do five million quid, and I'm going yeah, but there'll be a company that's making a hundred million quid that's doing it in a tax split. Like they're not paying tax on the rides, they're not paying tax on the products, and you're going to try and compete them to get the five million. Quid. Stop it! Like right now, so find the way out of that like quickly. So yeah. and the guys and the brands I work with of the size I'm currently working with in my professional um, life, man. Like if they don't live in the world that, that, that we live in, like us guys and the guys we speak to live in. Um, but, but that makes it, they can, they're not good at ads. They're actually rubbish. They don't care about the tech stack because they can throw money at it. They can throw double the money at it you can. And, and, and the harsh realities of e-com are the realities of e-com and that's how brutal it is. And so when I kind of see the dropshippers of the world and like, yeah, you know, the guys in the, the bedrooms and that's brilliant. Like I did that, we all did that probably. Um, that's great. You can, you know, you can probably put a deposit down for a house and you can maybe etch a bit of learning across the way. The, the greatest thing about that is, is the education along the way. But, but the realities are, if you want to be the big player in selling mattresses in America, so a mattress Mac, right? Right. We're mattress Mac, okay? Yeah. The Texas guy, you, by the you, way. You, you, yeah, the te- yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, even I know Mattress Mac, but I'm just yeah. using this as a... Like, I'm yeah, not saying, yeah, yeah. What do you think Mattress Mac is paying tax? Like, like, are you delusional? Like, where do you think his money goes? Like, are you absolutely insane? Look, his leverage above everybody else is that wherever that money sits, he has twice as much money as anyone else because you pay 50% taxes and so do I. So no matter how good you are, you what, you're going to be twice as good at ads as he is? You're going to get twice the CAC? You're going to get twice the MRR? Like, no, I get bollocks, no way. So what you've got to do is, is, is get enough money to get that toy, right? That's the leverage. The, like, so when I see behind the curtain of all these big brands and all the, like, yeah, the one to three million guys are fine and one to 12, that's fine. But the second that you can convert that into what that looks like, where you can compete with the big guys, like the proper guys, the hundred million guys. There's commonalities across all of them. Like there isn't one that doesn't do that. Imagine having twice your ad spend on an 80 million pound brand. You can't lose. You'd have to be an idiot to lose, right? Imagine buying your product at 30% less than they do. No, Not true. because you've got 80, and then you can negotiate massive prices off what they do. So there's a full monopoly going on, like worldwide in everything, not just right. in e-com. And, no, and, and, and the, 
and, and, it, and it's it's like I, I kind of I'm probably one of the I say one of the few to speak out about it. They don't they they, they like there aren't many that just say that that's that's what's happening. That's really what's happening. And the realities are the reality. You can be the best ad guy, the best tack. Like Dan, you're like you're an eBay. Like you are a hustler, right? You're a salesman. Like you understand like product market fit. Quasim's like the tech guy. He's got like an amazing tack that he knows how that delivers online. It's a. It's, I, I'm probably like I'm a tech guy. Meets a commercial guy. Like off what that works. So like my commercials are really strong. And I think kind of when you bring, like, <laughs> and then the behind the curtain thing, like you know, raise VC money, like pump that through. Like, what do you think VCs are giving money and telling people not to put them in places they need to be? Come on, man. Like, the, the, the VCs, they waste the most money in the world in econ. Like, half their ideas are rubbish. The execution's probably worse than rubbish. There's an element where, like, it's just, it's, it, it, it's, 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 it's a money spunk is what it is, man. And, like, and it annoys the hell out of me because I'm kind of, I'm willing to say what's happening, like, really happening, as opposed to what people think's happening. No, to get into important. any niche, yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of um, and I ra- and I rant a lot. I have a lot of um, but no um, yeah. So Frederick St James, getting back to that brand, um, we'll probably sell it in six months. The, the, the opportunities with that brand are ridiculous, right? Somebody needs to go out and raise half a million quid, come back, get that factory to make them some custom bags, put some brilliant ads behind it, put it worldwide, run ads worldwide. We only run ads in the UK. Put it on all social media across all platforms. The tech stack's pretty solid. One thing that I will say is pretty interesting, and you, and you guys are like this, is I think you can have 70% of the stack that a billion-pound company has for 4% of the cost, right? And I think that's a massive transitional thing that no one's – like, you can, you, know, you can run, like, you know, shop, you know Gymshark's doing a billion quid. So you can have the same platform they do. You can run on the same email software they do. You can have the same marketing tools. You have the same bundle apps. You can have, like, literally every... You can get to 70% of their stack. It's only when you really get into, like, AI, personalization, full-on, like, you know, you can't afford Nostal, or things that are kind of super high-end. You know, you're not putting NetSuite in. But that's only the 30% of the top that they need to get the cream on the top. You can have 70% of the stack of a billion, of a billion pound company for... 0.3% of their cost of that stack. And that's bananas. So that does allow massive leverage within like what you can deliver, like what you can deliver on. Um, no, I yeah. think that's a real important yeah. point. No, 100%. Well, we have to wrap, but you know, Gavin, I want to say thank you so much for your time. I, I learned a lot, you know, and I'm hoping you can make a lot of money selling Frederick St. James. I'm wishing the best of luck and we're rooting for you. Yeah, and, it, it, and, it'll, 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 go, it'll go for a few quid. Um, you guys, Dan, I love your Twitter hustle, like the way that you kind you. of approach that, like you're nailing it. Because in, like, your software stack level is strong. Keep pushing. Like, it's good. Like, you guys together are going to, like, I know you want to work together since 2019. I, I can see how that dynamic works well. You can build an amazing agency like you guys could build something like proper strong because you've got that hustle aside. You've got the tech side at that end. You're in the one thing I will say to you guys, though, is you guys are looking to put you, you, you probably you're probably looking to deal with companies that are a little bit too small. Right. Like, so I'm going to say this. Right. So like you like yeah. I'm not saying that you aren't going to get bread, lots of bread, but you guys have got loads of clients. Right. But right. but you guys, because of your hustle and because of your thing, you can tell them you've got four devs on board. You guys could get 
80 million pound brands, 100 million pound brands on board. Like you can't, like they'll have you because when they get to that corporation fluffy level, they need the hustle guy to come back in because it's been lost. And I found that in what I do. So like when I went, I went at dust.com, right. And dust.com sell beds. And it was the founder of a guy called Jason Walker who owns um, Victoria Plum. And he started selling beds and bed sheets and the big, like 60 million quid. Um, so like $70 million. But like they've got that corporate, that somebody like you, Dan, and some like you, Cuisine, going in. Like they don't have a dev in the building, like none, everything outsourced. But any dev that talks about anything to do with dev, they're just like, that sounds amazing. And then, and then because they've went to corporate at C-suite level, somebody like you, Dan, like cuts right through because it's like the fluff's just gone. So it's kind of, um, do you know what I mean? And they, and it, because it's become like this, well, I don't handle that. That guy handles that type of thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, exactly. Well, yeah. yeah. And that and that happens at like I don't know how big of a brand you guys might deal with hundred million pound brands. I don't know. But um we've had some some, big, some some bigger clients. I mean, I think where we're at now, Gavin, is that you know, some of the bigger clients feel like smaller projects. So it's kind of like it's a small project for them and they like the work, and then we're like looking to kind of do more and more work for them. I think it's like some of these larger companies might say, okay, let me just see what, you know, what you guys got and they like the work and then we can go from there. Amazing. Well, listen guys, amazing to chat. Keep going. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully speak soon. Awesome. Thank you so Thanks, much. Guys. Thanks Gavin. Bye guys. Bye. All right. Bye.